this is Chris Westfall, and this is the Financial Executive Podcast. Tensions with China have been at the top of the political discourse over the past several months, whether it's rogue balloons or Taiwan trips. And just like the geopolitical landscape, the capital markets are coming to terms with a reset of the relationship between the U.S. and the PRC. In this episode of the Financial Executive Podcast, we speak with Wei Hong Chen, partner with the law firm of Wilson Sassini in Hong Kong. Wei Hong has been a leader in underwriting an M&A between China and the U.S. market and has worked on deals valued at billions across technology, media, healthcare, and financial industries. We discuss how the market and regulatory changes in both countries will reshape the future of fundraising, deal flow, and financial disclosures. A little bit about your background. Now, you you've, you you went to school in the U.S. Um, uh, and you have, but you live now in uh, Hong Kong. If I understand, maybe a little bit about your background and 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 what you're focusing on right now. Okay, sure. Um, you know, I actually, you know, I have my legal education both in China mm-hmm. and the U.S. Uh, you know, I did my LLB in Peking University and then uh, at Harvard Law School. Uh, I actually started practicing in New York uh, for a few years. And then uh, my then employee, um, you know, Solomon Cromwell, seconded me back to Hong Kong. So I have been in Hong Kong over the last 20 years mm-hmm. um, and mainly doing the cross-border transactions uh, in the capital markets, M&A and the private equity uh, space. Uh, at the moment, I'm a partner at the Wilson Sosini. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have been with the firm for over 10 years. I, I had its uh, great China practice. Uh, we have three offices, uh, about 50 lawyers, uh, with a focus on the cross-border transactions in capital markets, M&A, and private equity. And I can imagine being in Hong Kong for over 20 years, doing what you do, you've seen a lot of changes uh, happening, yeah. uh, some amazing changes. Uh, but if I understand, so you focus mainly on in bringing uh, companies to capital markets, IPOs, things of that nature. Um, no, you know, capital market is uh, you know one of the main practice area for our uh, firm, mm. and uh, you know uh, that which is more outbound. So for Chinese company going overseas for listing i.e. In, literally in, you know, in the U.S. and in Hong Kong. That has been the mainstream for overseas listing over the last 20 years. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, but we also do uh, you know, another significant practice area of us is private equity and M&A, uh, where actually we represent also international investors, uh, private equity uh, and the VC funds uh, for their investments in China. Uh, and also help them to dispose their investments. Uh, we also help the, you know, the corporates, uh, you know, across the Pacific to do cross-border M&A transactions. Yeah, and, and that's certainly something that's uh, been on uh, a lot of our members' minds and a lot of listeners' minds, uh, especially over the past couple of years with all the changes going on. Maybe we could start off. How would you describe the IPO and the broader capital markets flow between China and overseas and? Compare that to, to five years ago. Okay, actually, five years is actually quite an interesting, you know, uh, time span you choose. Uh, I would say actually over at least the last uh, twenty years, mm. 
there seems to be that, you know, uh, sort of a four or five year cycle, um, you know, at least three or four times um, in, in my experience. Uh, so if you are talking about the last five years, you know, going back to 2018, uh, which is almost exactly uh, another, the latest cycle, where in 2018, you had almost a peak year in terms of overseas IPO. Uh, where Hong Kong, you know, was uh, the largest, uh, you know, stock exchange in terms of uh, the IPO number and the IPO fundraising. Uh, and then that's that was also the year. Uh, I think it's probably one of the only year in recent decade that, uh, you know, that the overseas IPO number by Chinese company actually exceeded the domestic IPOs in the Asia market mm. in Shanghai and Shenzhen Plus mm. uh, combined. So that's uh, that's actually, um, you know, if you're looking back, that's, that's certainly, I would say 2018 was a uh, peak year. And then, the uh, you know, the last year we, we just experienced 2020, 2022 was uh, almost hopefully the bottom year. Uh, in this cycle, uh, because uh, you see record low numbers of overseas IPO, mm. and you see, um, you know, record low uh, fundraising, uh, you know, uh, the, in terms of dollar numbers. Uh, so that's uh, uh, that's exactly, uh, you know, it has been, a, you know, from a peak to bottom cycle uh, over the last five years. You sort of described it as, I guess, a modest rebound. What, what's driving? Is it just uh, post-COVID or is there other factors driving sort of a modest rebound in the market right now? Um, I think we experienced a modest rebound at the end of last year, mm-hmm. uh, probably starting November. Uh, it was, I would say it's uh, the coupling effects of both, you know, the, uh, you know, the the the, uh, the end of the COVID zero policy in China, uh, and also you know certain indication policy indications that the you know the Chinese government may reprioritize the economic growth mm-hmm. uh, uh, as a, as a top policy goal after the you know the party uh, uh, the party congress uh, last October. So uh, in, you know at the I would say at the double force of the those two factors, uh, I think you, we 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 saw that uh, you know Hong Kong market and also the Chinese stocks in the state in the U.S. both experienced you know on average probably close to fifty percent increase uh, in st- in terms of uh, stock price um, over the you know over a three to four months period, uh, which helped the uh, you know improvement in the uh, investment sentiment in the primary IPO market. So we have seen, you know, a reopening of the IPO market since last November. Uh, my own firm did the five IPOs from November to January, uh, you know, in both Hong Kong and the U.S. markets. Uh, but, you know, I would still say that, uh, uh, you know, in, but the overall investment sentiment uh, is is warming up. But uh, is still, uh, you know, the the long funds and the bigger 
uh, investors are still sort of hesitating. So over the last uh, three or four months, the IPOs generally, uh, you know, small to mid cap IPOs, uh, I would say probably with the exception of one or two, most of them are, uh, you know, the IPO size uh, uh, is below 100 million US dollar. When you describe it from a, you know, sort of a peak in 2018, they go in cycles, um, you know, given, so, you know, the peak that happened back then and, and the cycle we're going through now, are there any particular industries or uh, sectors that you think will be leading this particular rebound as compared to the last peak? Uh, or you can even describe that way. Uh, it's... I think, uh, you know, I think it's hard to say which industry will run out, but the, you know, the two uh, most robust industry over the last decade um, have, have been technology mm -hmm. and the healthcare. Healthcare, uh, you know, including biotech, uh, which, by the way, have always been the focus of uh, our firm was in Sassini. Um, but I, I would still think that, uh, um, you, know, you know, for, you know, for any rebound, uh, these two sectors uh, would still probably uh, be the forerunner uh, in terms of uh, industries. So one of the big, you know, questions for our listeners and our members mind, obviously, given their position is, is last year's uh, audit agreement on audit relationships, um, you know, and, and listings of U.S. China based companies. What what effect do you think that's going to have on the IPO pipeline, given what you're talking about, starting a rebound? OK, yeah, well, you know, the. Uh, the PCAOB, you know, the auditing issue uh, literally caused about eight months uh, hold up, you know, for the uh, for the registration uh, of Chinese issuers uh, in the U.S. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, uh, you know, uh, China Securities Regulator CSRC uh, and SEC reached um, a memorandum of understanding, I think, last summer. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then PCAOB did, did on-site inspections in Hong Kong, uh, actually, you know, just uh, a block from our office uh, <laughs> in one, uh, in two of the big four Hong Kong offices. Mm -hmm. uh, and then after that, uh, you know, on-site inspection of the selected uh, five companies, uh, they reached the conclusion that, uh, you know, they, they have... Uh, the comfort in terms of uh, access the underlying auditing paper, uh, uh, you know, through uh, through uh, inspection uh, process. So they made a decision to uh, to uh, you know uh, uh, remove the, uh, the the China and the Hong Kong based auditors, including Big Force China operations, from the you know the blacklist. Um, uh, which helped to help the you know to reduce the market concern that you know all the Chinese companies listed in the US uh, may face a delisting risk. Uh, that certainly helped the you know the the, the sentiment uh, help the you know the reopening of the US at least the US IPO market uh, to the Chinese issuer. Uh, so. Uh, as a result, you know, as a result of, uh, you know, the, the PCAOB decision, uh, as well as the, you know, the, 
then you know China's opening up uh, after the COVID zero policy. Um, I think uh, we see uh, uh, a decent pipeline for this year. Uh, you know, uh, at this moment, I think we already have over forty uh, companies already filed with the SEC, mm. uh, and then we see a much longer pipeline that are preparing for U.S. IPO uh, this year. Uh, that's uh, uh, that, that, that's uh, you know the observation in the market at the moment. So I guess given that, so do you think it was a net, you know, PCOB's decision was I guess a net positive, um, but um, it's a net positive, mm-hmm. um, but it's uh, it's a subject to you know future changes. Right. I think uh, the, the PCOB emphasized that you know uh, you know uh, you know this uh, uh, this uh, inspection. Uh, ongoing inspection thing is an ongoing process. Um, then uh, you know if uh, they find out, you know um, they no longer can have uh, complete uh, access and uh, to make them comfortable, uh, uh, they could uh, they could take the actions to put this uh, um, you know back to the uh, put the auditors back to the blacklist. Uh, this is uh, this is all you know. Um, this is all made possible under the whole Foreign Company Accountable Act. Right. Uh, so essentially, I would say, you know, it's a little like, you know, um, you know, China's most favorable nation, um, mm-hmm. you know, during the, you know, two decades ago, you, you have like an annual vote at that time at the U.S. Congress. Uh, here, you know, you have the PCAOB probably have an annual uh, decision to make right. whether, you know, should go normal or things should go, you know, you know, go back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, is that part of the reason you're saying, I mean, I think you mentioned that like it's more small to mid cap companies that are approaching this, uh, getting back into the market. Do you think that the bigger cap companies are going to be are hesitant until they you know, figure out if this is a long-term correction? Um, how would you uh, no no i think the bigger company obviously this is uh you know this is a consideration for uh, all the sizable mm-hmm. companies as well but i think uh, um, the bigger company probably at the moment they're more caring about you know the uh uh you know the the in, in, the investor appetites right. for a very big uh you know chinese issuer uh issuance uh, in the market uh, which is not tested yet uh, in this market. Mm. Um, uh, you know, um, going back 10 years ago, in 2012, we also had a very bad year, I think, in terms of uh, overseas IPO. Mm. Then then in, in 2013, you start to have some mid-cap uh, IPOs to warm up the market. Um, and then you have the Alibaba IPO in 2014, uh, the real big ones, uh, the, the real big one, the impact deal that really opened the market. Uh, I think, uh, you know, hopefully later this year or earlier uh, uh, next year, uh, you know, we we may see a, a very sizable uh, IPO coming out. Uh, at that time, I think uh, uh, it will it will really test the market and tell us whether the, the IPO market is uh truly open and the, whether the, uh, you know, the long fund investors, uh, do have the appetites to, uh, invest the right sizable checks 
Wave goodbye to your planning challenges. Say hello to Intelligent Planning. Board is the global leader in intelligent planning, helping enterprises achieve a better way to plan smarter for a better and easy way to gain actionable insights and better outcomes. With more than 2,000 companies worldwide using Board, the technology designed for FP&A and the Office of Finance allows leading enterprises to discover crucial business insights, which drive optimal decision-making and unify strategy, finance, and operations to achieve full control of performance. So plan smarter, drive outcomes, lead transformation with Board. Just getting back to the, you know, obviously the, the audit part and what, you know, what our members and our listeners are, are, are figuring into, what do you see as the biggest changes in terms of the financial disclosures in the agreement that the PCOB came to? Um, I think uh, in terms of uh, financial disclosure uh, in the prospectors, um, I don't see, you know, any particular you know, significant changes, uh, uh, you know, because the audit agreement is really more focusing on the, you know, uh, a full and complete access mm. to the underlying auditing working papers, uh, which is, you know, forms the foundation for the auditing work and the support the, you know, the quality of the, uh, uh, the, the, the audit, audit results. Uh, you know, the, the results need to be fairly disclosed, uh, in the prospectors. Uh, uh, but, you know, in, at process wise, uh, definitely after, you know, this, uh, PCAOB, uh, situation, uh, you know, all the national offices of big auditing firms, uh, have heightened the, uh, uh the review process, uh, and, uh, you know, the, the standard. Uh, for reviewing the financial statements uh, in the registration statements that will be filed with SEC, um, uh, which process is now taking longer uh, than than mm-hmm. before, uh, and uh, and uh, and I think it, it it's uh, more thorough uh, uh, and uh, also more time consuming. Uh, you know, sort of implies that you know the quality control in this in this exercise is. Uh, uh, definitely has been uh, in, enhanced, uh, and uh, uh, but also during the hold up, uh, the eight to nine months hold up, starting from the summer, uh, summer twenty twenty one, you know the SEC during that uh, period uh, actually issued, you know through their practice and also through their uh, you know uh, uh, guideline pra- uh, issues. Uh, they, 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 they formulated a whole set of disclosure guidelines for, uh, issuers with substantive operations in China. Um, uh, and, uh, and those, those disclosure guidelines really put a, uh, high, higher standards in terms of, uh, risk disclosure, uh, business, uh, business disclosure, uh, and the China regulatory related disclosure. Uh, for uh, for the Chinese issuers, do you think the uh, changes? I mean, obviously, you know, more um, testing, more you know, um, staff work means that you know more cost. Does that really? Is that really um, 
does that really affect the market or or is it sort of an incremental cost that everybody has to adapt to? Um, I think this is probably, uh, um, you know, uh, now becoming an embedded uh, cost for all the China related issuers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, um, you know, it's probably, you know, becoming uh, sort of acceptable by the issuer uh, and by the parties working uh, on the, you know, on the IPOs uh, for, for Chinese issuer. Uh, and uh, yes, it will sort of making, you can argue it will make the US IPO uh, less cost effective. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, the, if an issuer has a choice uh, between say Hong Kong uh, and the U.S. Uh, between you know uh, Asia and the U.S. Uh, uh, but but in in the in practice, a lot of the companies that are coming to U.S. for IPO, uh, they probably also will have uh, challenges to meet the more stringent um, listing standards right. in both the Asia market and the Hong Kong market. Uh, so even if the U.S. standard uh, disclosure standard for Chinese issuer and, and the, the associated cost may increase a little bit. Uh, but I think uh, for the companies that aim for U.S., uh, uh, you know, uh, it's probably uh, acceptable uh, cost. The So just following that, I mean, the, the Chinese Securities Regulatory Commission, you know, released some new rules that are sort of structured to make overseas markets more accessible. What do you think the, the key aspects of the new rules and what do you think are, are, are the most welcome? Uh, I think the most welcome uh, aspects of it uh, is, uh, you know, a, a kind of, uh, you know, uh, formally um, making the, you know, previously often uh, pre-clearance uh, process for uh, the red chip IPOs, mm-hmm. uh, and the you know the, the companies with VIE structure, uh, and the you know H share H share companies uh, IPOs in Hong Kong into a post filing uh, registration process. Uh, it is it is it, it, you still require uh, clearance, but uh, but uh, actually uh, the fact that you can make the submission after you file with either Hong Kong Stock Exchange. Or SEC, uh, and uh, and uh, then the rule also provides a relatively short time frame, uh, uh, you know, uh, a month, one to two months, uh, to clear that process, uh, actually streamline the uh, the overseas listing process, uh, and uh, and it also, I think, uh, uh, you know. Um, uh, uh, it, it, it sort of also encouraged the companies that are incorporated in China, make them especially make them more easier uh, to go uh, go overseas listing mm-hmm. uh, because previously companies incorporated in China, uh, you know, in order for them to go uh, overseas listing, they are required to get a pre-approved right. uh, pre-approval. From CSRC, uh, and now that that's clearly becoming uh, you know a post-filing clearance process, 
uh, I, I think that, that that should be a welcome part uh, for the most welcome part for this uh, uh, new regime. So given all that, I mean, what are your expectations um, for U.S. listings of, of Chinese companies in 23, given the current, you know, the, all these changes, the economic conditions, geopolitical conditions? Um, well, the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the economic conditions, I think hopefully, um, China, you know, this year will be better, right. uh, I think, uh, than last year, uh, you know, last year was probably one of the worst year, you know, in, in the last, uh, half century yeah, for right. China in terms of like, yeah, ec- economic growth. Um, and I think in the U S although people are concerning about the recession in the may not be that bad i think so economic conditions i think this year my own guess is probably okay not great but probably mm-hmm. okay uh, but uh, on the other hand the, the geopolitical um conditions of the geopolitical uncertainty this year might be bigger than right. last year uh, i think it's big it's a big unknown uh i think uh, for this year uh, both for China and for U.S. Uh, so in terms of that, um, um, I think, uh, you know, for U.S. listings um, by Chinese companies this year, we, we we do know in the market that there is a, you know, strong interest to pursue uh, U.S. IPO for many Chinese companies. And we, we see a healthy uh, pipeline. Uh, but uh, how many of the deals uh, will be completed and uh, what would be their, you know, post listing uh, performance uh, is, uh, uh, and you know, is uh, is yet to be seen. I think. Uh, uh, Outside of, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, guys. Uh, yes. No, and and also another thing I think uh, you know in terms of geopolitical, which could one thing that could also affect uh, you know the U.S. listings by Chinese companies. Uh, is that uh, you know, uh, if if the U.S.-China tension increases, uh, I think uh, one of the possible uh, possibility is that you know the the Chinese uh, regulators may be more he- becoming more hesitating to allowing the, the more influential, the more sizable Chinese company to be listed in the mm-hmm. U.S. Uh, even, even now, now you have this, uh, you know, post filing registration regime, uh, but the, the, you know, the, the CSRC, the Chinese, uh, regulatory watchdog, they still maintain the ultimate gatekeeping right. power. So they can actually stop any deal they deem that are not in compliance with PRC laws or, you know, not, uh, not consistent with, uh, against the national interest, uh, you know, public security. Uh, public interest. So what does that, 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 you know, that seems to talk about the, so the listings and the, the public markets, what about on the, you know, obviously the multinational side, M and a, does that translate into the same sort of process going forward? Is, is, is it having the same effect? Uh, I think in terms of uh, M and a, uh, yes, I think, uh, the, you know, the geopolitical, uh, uh, situation is probably uh, really had a big uh, impact. Uh, have had a big impact in the, on the cross border M and A between China and the U.S. I think over the last uh, 
several years. Right. Um, and uh, we, we, on one hand, we see significantly declined investment, Chinese investment in the U.S. Uh, given you know the CFIUS review and the other. Uh, you know, uh, the, uh, the, the certainties around that review process. process. Uh, on the other hand, I think, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, the multinationals uh, in, in the U.S., the U.S. multinationals, I think, uh, you know, we have been seeing that they, they're more inclined to dispose their China operations uh, instead of making uh, yeah. new investments. Um, you know, uh, maybe with few exceptions, other you know, like uh, like Tesla, uh, but uh, but in the pharma, in the consumer, in the industry sectors, um, many multinationals are actually spin off uh, or you know selling uh, their China based uh, operations. Uh, you know, taking McDonald's for right. example. So I have to ask this question because, it, you know, obviously, you know, you know, things happen rapidly in this market. And, and there was a, a story recently that, um, you know, China was moving to have some companies drop, you know, the big four auditors in favor of, uh, I assume, China um, auditing firms. What, what do you think the impact of that is or will have any at all in 2023? Okay. Um, I don't. Uh, I don't think that there is a written requirement mm. or kind of a rulemaking uh, to require uh, the, the, you know, the SOEs, uh, you know, as reported uh, in the media by the media, the the, the state-owned enterprises uh, to job big four. Uh, but I think, uh, uh, you know, I would not be surprised uh, if. Uh, uh, some of the very large SOEs, uh, especially you know in China, there's this uh, central government level SOEs, and central government controlled directly controlled SOEs. Um, um, they they may get the signal uh, or get a uh, you know uh, 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 you know the, they may be discouraged from uh, using you know foreign. Uh, service providers, including auditors, mm-hmm. uh, due to the, the security uh, concern, uh, which I think uh, is totally possible. Right. Uh, given you know, look at last year, uh, you know, before before CSRC and the PCAOB reached you know it reached the uh, agreement, you know, all the SOE uh, companies listed in New York Stock Exchanges. Code and co voluntarily uh, delisted. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that that's clearly not a not a uh, you know uh, you know they certainly they certainly all get the uh, 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 you know a clear message uh, you know from the government they're not encouraged to maintain a listing status uh, in the U.S. I think a similar things may happen here, uh, and uh, uh, you know I, I don't think. You know the the majority of the private companies, privately owned companies, will follow the mm-hmm. suit. Uh, and I think, uh, uh, you know, if this uh, is this this move is limited to the central government controlled SOEs, I think the impact for uh, big four should also be limited. Yeah. 
Uh, today, actually, I saw a report that the the four the big fours uh, said that they only have twenty four central government owned SOE clients yeah. uh, with uh, with a total revenue of you know something like uh, RMB one billion mm-hmm. per year. Great. Terrific. Those are my questions. It's been super informative and and very, uh, I think it would be definitely a benefit to our listeners and our members to understand what's going on in China. I want to say thank you very much for taking the time. No problem. Pleasure. Thank you, Chris. 